the ATB Fantasy Show. Welcome to the ATB Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Rich Moletto, a.k.a. Bodacious Beer. You can find me on Twitter at Bodacious Beer. I'm joined by my illustrious co-hosts, Paul Ryan and Daniel Nugget Martino. You can find Paul on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. And Daniel uh, on Twitter at Nuggy underscore Wuggy with the G-G-I-E. And of course... Please give our show a follow. Hit us up on Twitter at ATB underscore fantasy show. Paul Nugget, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing well, sir. Can't complain. It's a little hot, but other than that, I'm good. Uh, same. Uh, actually, I uh, am just turning off my fan so you can hear me nice and uh, clear. It's a little warm here, but uh, happy to be uh, having my drink in hand. Talking with you gentlemen. So how hot is it for you guys? I know you're down in Texas, Paul, and you're out on the coast there, Nugget, because it's been, it's been, I mean, fairly nice for us here in the northern Midwest of the frozen tundra. Um, it's here. I'm in San Diego, but I'm a little east. I'm in specifically La Mesa, and it's uh, it was about 85 today. So um, that's definitely warm when you don't have uh, any type of uh, AC unit, but uh, I in college I it was the same thing. There was it hit ninety for about a couple weeks out of the year, and we didn't have any AC. We uh, my senior year we had a pool, so that helped. But uh, I just got used to it. And when I'm from, it hits a hundred and ten, so it's uh, no big deal for me. Yeah, no big deal for me. I just uh, I got used to the fans and uh, cold showers. Those help out a lot as well. Yes, sir. I know uh, this week it's supposed to be getting up to like 104, 103. And I remember a couple of years ago, man, like we had a straight, like 40 straight days of triple digit weather. Um, you know, I'm not sure. Hopefully it's not going to get up to 110 here in Texas, Nug, but I feel you, man. That's that, that would be a long day. You know, 110 football pads, that'll make a man out of anybody, man. That was, <laughs> yes, uh, that, sir. Was high, that was high school for me. I, I learned a lot. <laughs> So, Rich, are you wearing a fleece right now? Do you got a fire going? What's going on? I know you, you said where you're up in the north, right? Yeah, so uh, I'm up here in Wisconsin, and I call it the frozen tundra. Yes, sir. Um, so on the golf course today, it got a little windy and rainy, and I did have a, a, a long sleeve fleece that I had on for all of mm, five, ten minutes until, until the, the rain stopped, and uh, I was able to head out to the tee box, and I was in, in short sleeves. I, I always wear pants no matter how hot it is yeah. because I'm not a very good golfer. And the course I play at has a lot of that tall, thick grass that's up to your waist. Mm-hmm. And I try to at least save all the balls I can. So I wear long pants. Like, in fact, right before the show started, show started, I picked out a couple of those thorny, like, I don't know, burrs or whatever you want to call them for my pants. I was like, Oh, I wonder when I got those today. <clears throat> Only lost a couple balls today, so I wasn't looking very much. So I'm not sure what I got into, but yeah, they kind of laugh at me because uh, up here people don't handle the heat very well. I I don't mind the heat. Um, you know, coming from moving up here from the Charlotte area, I I don't mind the high humidity, the high heat. I really don't. I don't mind sweating. 
when I shoot trap and it's hot, I typically do better while everyone else is whining and crying that they're melting or something. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, you know, I've never lived quite, I mean, I've never lived quite as far South as, uh, you know, Texas or even San Diego area. So I know it gets, gets a bit warm. I know I've spent some time, I spent a couple of weeks out in Tucson and people can say what they want about a dry heat, wet heat. I, hot is hot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess I didn't really, I mean, the dry heat hot, I tell you what, it was way worse getting in a car. It seemed like. Yes, it can. I know, uh, man, as soon as I get in there, I, I typically try to leave a window crack just to, so the hot air won't just store in there. But when I forget, man, it, it's, it's a pain. I have to crank the, the AC and it takes at least five to seven minutes to, to start to cool down. But man, it, it is a, it's a, it's a beating when you forget to do that. So let me ask, do you guys tint your windows? My windows I'm are tinted, big, yes. I'm a big lease guy uh, for real estate. It makes sense for me. I enjoy uh, having a newer car to drive clients around every once in a while. Sure. So I lease, so I don't, I don't really change the car at all because it's just not worth it for me. I tell you what, you will be surprised how much tent makes a difference with that. Huge difference. And it even makes a difference in winter up here holding the warmth in as silly as that sounds but it does the other thing is i tell you what well nugget if you're leasing i hope you consider or do because when my dad did real estate he told me he didn't need it and after i convinced him to try it he swears by it now a remote start oh 100 oh remote i won't i i told him i had a little uh honda fit and i told it and then, uh, I, you know, I was working at a restaurant. I thought it was out making tons of money. So I went and got myself a Dodge Challenger push start. And I was loving life. But ever since then, I haven't been able to go back to a non-push to start. I love it. Oh, I, I still use the – I mean, I love the push start versus having the key. But the, the remote – because up here in the winter, oh, yeah, man. I, I remote start that. I'll, oh. You know, there's a time limit on them. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about where you start the car where you're not in it. Oh, I... You let it... So, my dad swore up north, yeah, you need that for the winter. Because who wants to get into a cold car? Uh Uh-huh. Right? So, my dad lives in Arkansas, said he didn't need it. And after he had he goes, you know, that was really nice. You go in and look at the house, and you come back, and that car's not hot. Ah, that's a good point. Okay. So, when you're putting clients in there, they're not sweating all of a sudden. Mm, I like that. I'm definitely going to have to look into it next time I uh, get a car. I Just something to consider. Yeah. So, Rich, what you drinking? Tonight I am drinking beam and ginger ale. Dude, oh, sounds good. It's, it's my go-to on the golf course. They have it. It's simple. It's easy. Um, if they don't have ginger ale, I'll do 7-Up or Sprite. But uh, it's funny when there's a couple of the uh, – the cart folks that I stick out, I wear orange all the time and I kind of stick out on the course or, or if not orange, I'm wearing some usually bright colors and a couple of them like, I saw you out here. So I made sure to grab you ginger ale. <laughs> they, don't have ginger, they don't always have ginger ale in the cart, but uh, yeah. So that's kind of my go-to on the golf course. Try mixing uh, gin- Coke and Sprite. It'll be very similar ginger ale. Okay. Okay. I can give it that shot. So what are you drinking tonight, Nugget? We, we got a cab on tap by chance? No, I really considered open up a bottle, but I was filling some whiskey, 
So I just got some sweet vermouth. So I made in Manhattan instead of an old fashioned. Ooh. Yeah, really good. Nice. Mm-hmm. Really nice. enjoying that. Paul, what are you drinking? Guys, why don't we even ask anymore? <laughs> Truly. So, 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 Paul, press. Remember, I kept telling you if you see press, get it. I want your opinion on it. Dude, okay. So I, I saw some today, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I did I'm, see press today. I'm, so I was just about to say they just launched the Texas market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was curious. Man, I saw it, but they didn't have any tall boys and they didn't have anything on sale. And man, I wasn't trying to p- spend like sixteen bucks on a twelve pack. So I was just like, oh, man, I'm I'm uh, you know saving money, just balling on a budget right now. So you know, grab me a tall boy pineapple and living life, man. Just trying to stay cool. I hear you. If they have the the variety pack on sale, get one, and and you can be almost guaranteed it came through our production facility. There was something oh, that did catch yeah. my eye. I wasn't sure if either of y'all have heard of it, but have y'all ever heard of a uh, crackberry? It's not a seltzer, but it's like a maybe it is a seltzer, but it's called crackberry by chance. No, um, I have not. Man, okay, because I, w- I was like, man, this sounds really. It sounds flavorful and it sounded light. I can't remember who makes it, but. I was like, you know what? I, I kind of want to grab this, but I decided to pass. That's, Maybe next time I will. That's interesting. Yeah. Because Blackberry the phone was nicknamed a Crackberry back in the day. Yeah. Back when I first got out of college and was selling cell phones, mm-hmm. that was the nickname of the Blackberry because you were so addicted to it. Yeah, it was the keyboard that everybody was addicted to, right? Right, the QWERTY keyboard and the track wheel, and you could get emails on it because people that wasn't common to get the email. Yeah. But I just looked it up for you here, Paul. Mm-hmm. Crackberry by Bishop Cider. Yes, there it is. It's a cider. That's what it is. Hmm. Gluten-free, vegan-friendly, no sugar added. Wow, I didn't even know it was it, it was a gluten-free or sugar-free. That's interesting. Cranberries, blackberries, apples, crack. <laughs> Let's see what it says about it. That's what it says. It says cranberries, blackberries, apple, crack. 6% volume. Crack's got a little asterisk by it. It looks like it's made in Texas. Interesting. I don't have too much experience with the ciders. Are those typically heavier beers? or Cider is a whole different animal. So it, it's... I guess you could call it a flavored malt beverage, if you will. But a cider is a cider, kind of like a, a mead's a mead. Mm-hmm. It's not beer. Right. Um, I, I'd compare it closer it, to a sour than to a beer, right? Would you, Rich? If you're talking about taste, yeah. But a sour is still truly a beer. Got it. Got it. Got it. it so if I remember correctly, cider is made exclusively from fruit. Yeah. Not like – so beer has – you know, malt. barley malt in it, but to your to your point, there are fruited sours, but I believe they still have a mash, right? I'm sure there's a mash for the ciders, and and I could reach out to some of my brewery type folks um, and get the technical definition. I I can check back in for you guys, but your meads are a little different, your ciders are a little different. Kind of think of it this way: hard seltzer is not a beer, right? Right. I would say your ciders are more in the hard seltzer category. Okay. Got it. But they're their own category. Right, right. You know, if you're talking about for sales, you still have it kind of listed under the beer or flavored malt beverage categories. 
but Seltzer's kind of in that same ballpark, even though they're they're kind of growing so much they're their own entity at this point. But like I'm trying to look at the ingredients on here. Um, ingredients, interesting. Hard apple cider. Well, that's what I'm kind of expecting it to be, I guess. <laughs> um, can't see some sort of juice concentrate, blackberry, but I'm not seeing any wheat, any malt any barley, anything like that. I have a buddy that really doesn't like beers, but he's a big cider guy. Mm. So I'll be curious. But if you see the press on sale and it's a variety pack, do me a favor, Paul, get it. Yes, sir, fact, absolutely. I might, I, might, I, might, I might be able to get you a coupon or two, see if we can get it on sale. <laughs> I'd love that, man. Otherwise, I'll have to do a beer run, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. <laughs> Make sure. So, uh, what's that, Nug? I was gonna say, if he does a beer run, make sure they take it out of Rich's pocket. <laughs> right. Hey, you know what? Because everybody's wearing a mask, dude. If I did a beer run, man, I'd, I'd probably get away with it, right? Yeah. This is true. <laughs> Although I still say the helmet's the way to go, because the cameras can't see you, and nobody thinks twice of you walking around with a helmet on. <laughs> right. <I'm just> saying. <laughs> right. I'm serious. I went grocery shopping with my racing helmet. <laughs> That's great. And it. I'm at this. I'm at the self checkout at Walmart. You know they got the camera on there, and I'm like, "Ha! You guys can't even see me. <laughs> this isn't. This is awesome." I'm like, I may have to do this all the time. So, well, let's uh, let's talk about last week's episode a little bit. So we did a a best ball draft last week. And Nugget threw up a poll. I Nugget. am the champion. Oh, I'm, really, I'm really curious to see. I'm really curious to see how this works out because I I did a best ball a couple of years ago uh, with some you know when draft was was around and one of the radio shows I listened to it put it out there and it filled up right away but I got in it. And I remember them going, well, and they got to my team. They're like, eh, it's fine. It's okay. It's kind of meh. And I ended up winning it. Hey. So I kind of dig. I kind of dig when people think my team's just sort of meh. That makes me feel like, all right, I did a decent job of balancing things. So let's see how it goes. But I'm not going to lie, Nugget. You, you got my vote. I voted your team. I don't know how Paul voted. I think I actually voted Nug's team as well. I mean, even when I tweeted it out. Because I'm looking at it now, and Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, and Chris Carson, but then also A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. I think what uh, a lot of people seem to like was that uh, he grabbed Tyler Higbee and Gerald Everett. I think that's what uh, was kind of swayed people because he seemed to have the uh, favorable tight ends there. I got you. Well, and I I think people are sleeping, and I'm, you know, tonight's show we're going to talk about it, some bold predictions, and uh, I think I, I almost wonder if I need to change it up a little bit just because they're the one of the tight ends I got it. I feel like people are sleeping on mm-hmm. and, and I get, I get the concern of switching places, but I got to tell you, I don't see why people aren't looking at Hayden Hurst more like Austin Hooper last year. Yeah, I really don't. It, it kind of blows my mind to be honest with you. I think it's just I, because nobody's seen him do anything. You know, when Andrews was dinged up and he came in, he looked good on the field to me. Yeah. He, he looked – I get why people were raving about him, right? Mm-hmm. Andrews outplayed him. There's no getting around it. But if you go back and look at his history, he also hasn't a lot 
doesn't have a lot of college ball under him at tight end. Right. Uh, he was relatively new to the position. I'd have to go look it up, but I don't think, oh, man, I want to say he played baseball or something and then came back and decided to do football and only played like two years in college at South Carolina. Yeah. At one point he um, was dealing with like a uh, mental illness or something and he got the yips well, baseball. Yes. Yes. That's right. He got the yips. I forgot about that. And just decided to hang it up for baseball. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's more developmental ability there. Right. He came out, you know, before Andrews kind of caught fire, there was a lot of talk of, of Hayden Hurst, and it never really came to fruition. Tight ends take a little bit. But I tell you what, Atlanta must have felt comfortable with it because they let Hooper walk, and they gave up some decent draft capital within 24, 48 hours or whatever it was to get Hurst. Right. So, you know, yeah, I mean, the, the uh, all the – he's in place to uh to do something i think that's just what again i think people are just wondering if uh he'll be able to take advantage of that opportunity you know right and and i gotta tell you for for me nug's team with sold it was the running backs i think he did a phenomenal job at the running back spot and that's just something i did not do in that draft granted i i mean we talked about it during the draft i was kind of changing it up and whatnot but i in my opinion, especially in basketball, if you can get some of those running backs nailed, you're going to be in good shape. Right. I, you know, I have to, I can't take any credit for myself on this one. Paul is actually the one that changed my whole point of view and has guided me to going RB heavy and I have hit it hard and it has been tremendously paying off. I mean, just uh, look at this draft I did. I mean, I ended up with uh, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Chris Carson as my three running backs, but I still ended up with great wide receivers like Paul was saying, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Marvin Jones, and Debo Samuel. So I do have to give a little bit credit to Paul because when uh, we first met probably about three months ago, I was all about going wide receivers and fading the running backs, especially in PPR league. But he has since educated me on the proper ways to be doing these drafts. So, Nick, I got to ask you, man. Now, you know, since we've met, you know, you just say that I helped you to uh, see the light, if you will. How do you feel about all that zero RB talk coming back to the surface? (laughs) It's always going to happen. I mean – there's there's some drafts where it just like may make sense. I mean, say you're you're the you're twelve and Michael Thomas falls to you at twelve. You know, I mean, that's a hard pick to turn down. Right. Um. I mean, if you personally, I I mean, if you could have Michael Thomas and Devonte Adams, I mean, that is a solid solid there. But mm-hmm. I just, I just from what I've seen. Every draft I've done by going three running backs first, I am still able to get great wide receivers in the later rounds. Um, I'm in a draft right now where I went extremely uh, running back heavy, and I still ended up with Cooper Cup as my wide receiver one. And we all know how I feel about uh, Cooper Cup, so. Yeah, I've uh, you mentioned the uh, Michael Thomas and the Devontae Adams, like that one-two punch right there at the end of drafts. I've seen a lot of people uh, starting their drafts with Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, man. You can't argue with something like that. How – I mean, how can you? You got the 
number one receiver for the best quarterback in the NFL, um, and Devontae Adams, who, I mean, who else is on that's going to catch passes on the Packers, man? Exactly, <laughs> dude. Um, so that that's that's tough to argue. However, I just I may may do one of those. I just I can't leave the first round without drafting a running back in any of my drafts this year. I just I can't do it. Um, well, the man, value is not there for me. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at Rich's team, and man, his first four picks are just really his first five picks are pretty nasty. Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Leonard Fournette, DJ Chark, and Raheem Mostert. I mean, golly. It's hard to start off much better than that out of the sixth hole. Uh-huh. We'll see. Uh, I'm not sure I feel about Mossert right there. Um, Fournette, you know, I don't think he's going to have quite the same volume that he did last year with Chris Thomas being there or Chris Thompson being there. Yeah. He'll lose some catches for sure. But, um, and, you know, maybe McLaurin over Chark was probably a better play. Chark really kind of fizzled out at the end of the year. Minshew's going to move it around. But I think Chark is very much talented. Uh, you know, he was a little dinged up, if I remember correctly, at the end of the year as well. Um, they were kind of figuring things out. We'll see. I, you know, I definitely – I feel like Hopkins is better than what people are probably thinking he's going to do. He seems to keep slipping. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather have Hopkins over Adams on the sole purpose of – I really don't know what's going on at Green Bay. They don't seem to want to throw it much. And there isn't, you know, I like Alan Lazard. He's holding his own. I'm curious to hear about uh, St. Brown or see what St. Brown does. I know they, they feel pretty good about him or high on him. Right. But I just don't see, I see them being a two-headed rushing monster attack. And because of that, I just don't know how much, I mean, if they're going to do that much running and, Adams is as good as he is, which, you know, we all know he is. Why, as a defense, would you not focus on shutting down Adams and and trying to sell out to stop the run? So I'm just kind of curious, whereas Hopkins, that offense is just going to – they're going to be a ton of snaps. The offense is going to try to run a bunch of plays. Mm -hmm. And Hopkins is by far the most talented receiver there. He's damn near quarterback proof. We've seen him just produce with every quarterback. Kyler Murray is, you know, I'm not going to say he's as good as Watson, but he's definitely a huge upgrade from some of the other quarterbacks he's played for. So, and to me, it's a best ball. I feel like those are, between him and Thomas, those are two receivers that can be top 10 every week, mm-hmm. top four. And I, I, not that I'm hating on your team at all. I just, I, the value, I'm just finding them wide receivers by waiting. I, I get it. I know it's tough. I agree. Spot. It's just, man, that I have finally seen the lights. It's PPR. Those those wide receivers, you're going to be able to find one or two in the five, six rounds to really fill your team. It's just, it's there for me this year, in, man. In a perfect scenario, what I prefer to do is get two running backs and receiver within the first three rounds. That's mm-hmm. what I want. However, I wasn't really feeling the running backs there facing me in the second round. I did change it up by going with Thomas. I don't like feeling my, I don't like feeling forced to take a pick. Mm-hmm. And I felt like if I was taking a running back there, I was kind of forcing it. That poly draft we're doing, I feel like I kind of forced the running back pick I just made recently. 
I was like, I really, I really need a third running back. I've got to do something here. And I had heard some news recently. And so I pulled the trigger on James White might've been a little early. It's a PPR league though. But my point being is I would much rather have that two running backs and a receiver within the first three rounds with this being best ball. And and going back, I probably could have done something different than Hopkins. I probably could have done something different than Thomas. And and, because I totally agree. I mean, in in all fairness, Nugget, you, you can ask my wife for the last probably two, three, four years. I've said, I don't understand why people aren't waiting on receiver. The receivers you can find in rounds five, six, seven, eight are, are all, I mean, you can find gems and all of that. The running backs are long gone. And I, I think part of my problem is if I can't find what I consider a high volume running back, I throw them in a mix with a bunch of other satellite backs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, up until probably the last week, week and a half, I haven't been very warm on Miles Sanders. And due to the Deuce Daily comments a week or two ago, I've warmed up on Miles Sanders, which has changed my opinion. I was kind of viewing Miles Sanders how I was viewing Aaron Jones. I like the talent. I just don't see him being more than 50% of that backfield. I like Zach Moss. I like Devin Singletary. I just don't see either of them being more than 50% of those backfields. Whereas Zeke, Barkley, Fournette, uh, well, you know, I don't know if you can throw Chubb in that mix. Derrick Henry, those guys, we know what we're going to get. And in all fairness, I probably should have pulled the trigger on Cook, but I have so many pieces of Cook and his injuries concern me. And so I just, I wanted something different, but as a general rule nugget, I I'm in complete agreement. You can wait on those receivers, especially in PPR. The values are there, especially if you decide to get your running backs heavy and early. And then, you know, if you're not on, if you're not real sure about your number two, number three receiver, get a fourth and a fifth. They're all very, especially in a best ball. They're all very close as far as value or what potential they have or what, what upside they have. So in a best ball where you don't have to pick the lineups, I mean, I'm in complete agreement. I mean, you should see some of the rosters they built earlier this year, but you know, like we talked about, we use best balls kind of like mocks or people do mocks. And so with some of my kind of, I want to say prior, you know, leagues, I'm a little more, take a little more pride in as far as, you know, it's my neighbors or it's buddies I've been doing it for, for 20 years or 15 years. I really wanted to play around because I don't know where my draft spots are going to be. So I wanted to play around with different options, and I am a fan of zig when they zag. I have built success. I'm a RB-heavy guy, but there's been a couple of years where they were just going. All the running backs were going, and these receivers that are high, you know, if you have three of the top seven receivers, you you can find ways to fill in at running back. I mean, you really got to have those guys, though. You know what I mean? So no, I get what you're saying, and I I was listening. To, I can't remember who I was listening to, but they said, you know what, Michael Thomas is going to score more points than Miles Sanders. I he's like I fully believe that. However, I'm going to pick Miles Sanders over Michael Thomas because of the value of waiting on um, wide receivers because there's more available in the later rounds. However. He, he blatantly said it. Michael Thomas will most likely score more points than Miles Sanders. So do you want your first first round pick to score more points? Or do you want to have that um, – don't have to worry about the scarcity of running backs. It really depends on what's going on. Do you get, do you get what I'm saying by that? 
I totally. I was just about to say it's all about position scarcity. Exactly. It's the same reason in in Paul. Another point that Paul hammers home, besides get your running backs early, is waiting on the QB, and it all goes back to the exact same reasoning. It's position scarcity. So here's here's a way to look at it. While Michael Thomas may score more points than Miles Sanders, what's the point difference between Michael Thomas? And say the tenth receiver, wide receiver ten, exactly. Versus Miles Sanders, who we'll call somewhere in the top ten RBs. Okay, and let's just go to RB fifteen or RB sixteen or seventeen. You the points difference typically is greater there because it dries up that because of the position scarcity it dries up so much. Quarterback's a great example of that because. Typically speaking, quarterback five to quarterback 12 is only a difference of anywhere from like three to five points a game or less. Yep. You don't, it's, if that's the case, then why would you want to take your quarterback in the first four rounds when you can get close to the same amount of points in round eight or nine? It's the same thing with running backs. And that's why I said, you know, I probably should have gone ahead and pulled the trigger on a back. Um, and seeing what receivers were there, in all fairness, I could have probably gotten Cook and Hopkins, right? There's a very good chance something like that could have played out. Cook, Hopkins, Fournette. I think I would have rather have done that, and then instead of reaching for some of the backs I reached for, just load up on some other receivers, you know? And here again, this is why we do these things, is to get a feel for what's happening, how you're going with people, what are people doing? I say it over and over again. It's all about trends. And if you started doing best balls four months ago till now, you see the trends. Running backs were pretty heavy before, but now you see it's getting tougher and tougher picking at the 10, 11, 12 spot or coming back in round two and finding some backs that you were able to get before. You know, the I don't want to say the waters have gotten clear, but the way people are viewing each of these players, I think is getting clear. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No, it may- but I, I, I think we're all in agreement. Nugget definitely had, you know, is the odds on favorite at this time. And, and we'll keep checking as the year goes. I'm excited for it. I think uh, it's going to be really cool to go back in a couple months and uh, check in and see how we're doing. I did notice, uh, Rich, how Nugget strategically left off some of our, some of our. I wouldn't say better players, but some some guys that might have been able to sway sway a vote or two. Um, he didn't um, include Evan Ingram on my team. And I he forgot didn't, Evan oh, Ingram. I did not Jay, do that on purpose. Oh, that's kind of big. I yeah, did well, not, that's kind of big. I did not do that on purpose. I forgot uh-huh. Evan Ingram. You we know, know what's I on the not... nugget. Come on now, don't don't play. Oh my god, you should have called me out on that. I deserve that. Is a huge deal. Call me on my bullshit. I just noticed it today, but you know, Evan, yeah, valuable See, thing, right? Give me shit. I need you didn't even notice it till right now, man. <laughs> I just gotta bust your chops, man. But yeah, I mean, it's, not, it's no big deal at all because of course that's all in good fun. But I did notice that, and I'm like, this little mother effort. <laughs> I'm still gonna beat you, all right? Yeah, now for I'm sure. I'm curious if he left off anybody on my team. He I did. I know. thought he left. I'm pretty sure he left off Sternberger and. Uh... Oh, that's why I only had two tight ends. 
I'm going, son of a bitch, did I really only draft two tight ends in a best ball? What the fuck was I thinking? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm an asshole. Well, Rich, we got we to gotta watch our pockets around Nug, man. Ah, oh, shut <laughs> up. That, that, that one was too far. That was too far. Nugget, there's nothing in my pockets, dude. So you can take whatever yeah. you want. Out of I think what happened you know, was I couldn't fit them on there. All right, the Evan Ingram, I should have got one, but Sternberger, I I shouldn't have done that. All right, I I I, uh, I messed up. All right, gentlemen. In, in all fairness, in all fairness, it, uh, props to Nugget for putting our teams together because Paul and I just sent like literally four or five screenshots because it doesn't fit on one page. Right. So I mean, I I got to give Nugget some some props on trying to do his best there. And they, but, it, I mean, I'm it wasn't at, an order of players either, so I was. Going right. through and looking at all the tight ends and looking at all the players. So it wasn't on purpose, Mr. Paul, all right? Mm-hmm. And so I am looking at my team here. And I tell you what, I you know, A.J. Dillon, Josh Kelly, Matt Breda, all three of those guys could be very interesting plays this year. Dude, A.J. Dillon for sure. And Josh Kelly. Uh, I, just, I just got a lot of flack for a trade I made yesterday involving Josh Kelly, but – I don't feel bad about it. Maybe I undersold it, but I think that, you know, Justin Jackson, he hasn't showed us anything, and who's to say that he he won't get 10 to 12 touches a game this year in the Chargers, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. I'm looking at this. Look, we already know Brady is about half half of that backfield, and then the report that came out that they're going to line him up a receiver because of all the injuries at receiver they have. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, well, that's handy. I, I really feel like Dylan's going to be the Jamal Williams, and Jamal Williams wouldn't go away last year, and I just don't think he looked that good. And Josh Kelly, that's exactly why I think they drafted him. I We'll talk about this because I know you want to talk about Austin Eckler, but I, I feel like Eckler is very good, but he has a very set role. Right. And I feel like Josh Kelly will complement that role. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Justin Jackson, he he proved to be a a good college running back. It's just we haven't seen much of him in the NFL. So I feel like it it could be either Justin Jackson's role to to win or Joshua Kelly. So I, I felt like the the risk that I I took the the player that I traded away to acquire him, I didn't feel like it was a bad deal for given the structure of my team. Sure, sure, I can see that. But, well, gentlemen, should we uh, should we get into some of our bold predictions for the night? Let's, that's the uh, topic for the evening. Let's yes, do sir. it. All right. So what we're going to do here is we're just going to go by position, and we each got a bold prediction for each, and uh, we'll, we'll discuss them. So my first bold prediction was Dak will be QB1 for the year. Maybe this isn't bold. Um. I tell you what, though, I have high, high, high hopes for this Cowboys offense. I think McCarthy is decent as an offensive coach. I, I know he's, he's, he's hated up here in Green Bay, <laughs> and he kind of wore out his welcome. But I do think he learned some things as a head coach and taking some time off. And I think he has some better pieces to play with. Uh, he made a comment that he was going to, you know, took a look at analytics and understood how that play came into play and, and play calling. I'm curious to see it mix. I think sometimes a change of scenery, whether it's a player or a coach makes all the difference in the world. I mean, 
people talk about Pete Carroll being awesome, but do people remember Pete Carroll coaching the Jets and getting fired for being <laughs> shitty? I'm just saying. He, he was not good at the NFL. It was the Patriots and the Jets, if I remember correctly. And then he went back to college, dominated in college, and that scandal happens, and he comes back to the pros, and he's, you know, a godsend. But, I mean, if you go look at his NFL career before, he struggled, you know. So, uh, I'm curious, and I think, you know, we've seen what Aaron Rodgers did in McCarthy offenses. I know they had their disagreements there at the end, but early on, we they, they put up – Aaron Rodgers was, was consistently a top three quarterback all the time. And we're talking about when he played against Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. You know, so I got Dak being the QB one overall for the year. Maybe it's not bold enough, but that's where I'm at. You won't hear any complaints from me, sir. I I think that uh, Dak could be could easily finish as a QB one. There's another player I won't mention that I think could be uh, the uh, fantasy number one overall fantasy at his position. And I also think that Amari Cooper, I mean, I, I would not be surprised at all to see him finish as the uh, fantasy wide receiver one. So I, I like that call, Rich. I don't think enough people are really um, looking at the situation. You know, they add CD lamb and then they bring in a uh, offensive minded head coach who t- who's taken a year off, but has also proven that he can have success and knows how to groom QBs and wide receivers. So I like that call a lot. Well, where are you? Well, while you're at it, Paul, where's uh, what's your QB bold prediction? Guys, I've been saying this for a little while now, probably a couple of months. I'm sure a lot of people are tired of hearing me say it, but I'm going to keep saying it. I think that Philip Rivers will finish outside of the top 24 in 2020. Now, I have some stats here. In 2015, he was the 11th overall QB, but 16th in points per game. In 2016, he was the 17th overall QB, but 19th in, in points per game. 2017, he was a 13th overall QB, but 16th in points per game again. 2018, 11th overall, again, but 13th in points per game. And in 2019, he was the 16th overall QB, but 24th in points per game. He's not getting any younger guys. I know he's got a better offensive line. I don't think that the weapons that he's dealing with as far as receivers are are better than what he had in Los Angeles. Uh, I just, you know, I don't see Phillip Rivers as being anything more than a bi-week fill-in this year, even in Superflex leagues. Interesting. Well, what says you, Nugget? Call me a homer all you guys want, but I just can't see a scenario where Jared Goff is not a twelve top 12 quarterback by the end of the year. Um, let's go back and look at his last 2019 stats. He had 626 pass attempts and completed 62% of those pass attempts. I mean, when you're, when you're seeing that much volume, I mean, think about Matt Ryan, for example, those are, those are similar numbers to Matt Ryan. And he just, he was still, he was in the top 12 last year with those numbers. What is to say he doesn't do it again? Maybe I'm too much of a believer of McVeigh and his offense and his mindset just because I've seen how much he has changed the Rams and moved them onto the better. I just – I really believe in that passing att- attack that's going to happen next year. And, I mean, we'll get into it when we talk about wide receivers for my bold take. But, yeah, so this my bold take is Jared Goff, top 10 – or sorry, top 12 quarterback in 2020 – 
And one stat I just do want to give is that his touchdown percentage last year was 3.5%. If we look at somebody like Josh Allen, who we know isn't the most accurate passer, his was 4.3%. So if we can, if Goff could get into that close to that 4%, like he's been the last couple of years of his career, then um, I really can see him uh, staying in that top 12 like he was last year. So you don't have any concerns about them running more with, with adding to that backfield or spreading it around? I mean, I guess my concern on Jared Goff is once the NFL changed the rules with the play clock and everything, and McVeigh no longer could really do all the audibles for Goff, we just haven't seen him perform as well. So I'm, I can't lie. I'm very – I would guess I would say I'm, I'm very indifferent with him. You know, I, I feel the same way, but I've seen him – in 2018 and 2019, put up 4,600 yards back-to-back seasons. Um, and he did post 22 touchdowns last year, but we talked about posit- uh, negative uh, regression. We're going to see a positive regression from those 22 uh, touchdowns. I mean, I, we're going to see those go up. I, I, I fully believe, it. whether it's the 25 or he does hit that 30 mark again because he hit 32 in 2018, I just um, – I, and I also don't think top 12 is that really far of a reach, if I'm being honest as well. I, I think uh, people are drafting him like he's going to be the 20th ranked uh, quarterback. So that's why it's, in my opinion, a bold take. But um, I, I get what you're saying. You're coming from, Rich. But I just – I don't know. I Maybe I trust in McVay too much, and I trust in those uh, wide receivers. But I, I, I can see him really getting uh, – breaking that top 12. Well, it, look, and nobody loved Kirk Cousins, and he consistently performed when McVay was there as the QB coach and offensive coordinator. So, you know, I don't think you're necessarily off. Well, why don't you uh, lead us down the running back pack while you're on it? Now? Yeah, of course. Um, uh, Paul's going to love this one. I'm <laughs> saying that Zeke will be the running back one by at least 30 points. Um I know that's not some crazy number, but I, I, I figure that's one really good game of points by beating out everybody. I just, you know, um, Paul, remind me, who did they uh, just pick up on defense? Everson Griffin. He was the uh, defensive end, long time right? defensive end for the Vikings. Yes, sir. And how good are we projecting those Cowboys defense to be this year? Man, they've made a lot of uh, solid veteran additions to their defensive line. A, a big issue we had last year was third down stops and just uh, getting off the field, man. So, you know, adding uh, some veterans to help us with that, with that run defense. And uh, an, another year, just a different scheme, a, a more uh, a scheme that's geared towards causing turnovers and not giving up big plays and things like that. I think we're going to see a, a, a much improved Dallas defense. Might take a little while to gel, but I think we're going to see closer to the 2018 defense than the 2019 defense for sure. So what do you do when you have a strong defense and you're up by, I don't know, maybe say seven to ten points in the game in the fourth quarter? You're going to run the goals, baby. You're going to run the ball, right? Absolutely. And is Zeke going to eat? We know Zeke eats. He's a great – running back and when he starts getting fed he is going to eat and I just I am all about him we know how good the Cowboys offensive line can be I just 
I think he's going to be, to me, the unquestionable uh, running back one. Can I play devil's advocate for a minute, Nugget? I love it. Hit me with it. All right. Tyron Smith isn't getting any younger. We did lose Travis Frederick. And if we are, you know, if we have double-digit leads heading into the fourth quarter, maybe seven minutes or so left, whatever it may be, here comes uh, here comes Mr. Tony Pollard. Any of that stuff worry you at all? Yeah, of course it worries me. But, I mean, we've also seen Lamar Miller sit out multiple fourth quarter – not sorry, Lamar Jackson sit out multiple four, fourth quarters last year and mm-hmm. set a record amount of points. Right. I think Zeke is that good. He, Absolutely. He can easily get 20 touches in three and a half quarters. So mm-hmm. I'm not really worried about that. Um, the offensive line may be a bit of a concern, and maybe I just uh, did not really take in consideration the age of the Cowboys' offensive line as much as I should have, especially coming from a Cowboys fan. But I just, man, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the Cowboys' offense in general. And now that they are really solidifying some key def- defensive players like we've seen, especially with the acquisition, acquisition of Griffin, I just, I'm all about Zeke. I just – I think he's going to eat, like I said. Man, both of you guys coming out with these Cowboys uh, takes, I, I feel like I'm not loyal enough because I don't have anything Cowboys-related this week, man. Because you knew we would take care of it for you. Yeah, there you go. The smart guys always uh, always take care of business, right? Yep. Well, I, I tell you what, the uh, – again, I maybe I'm not being bold enough with some of these takes because I know he, you know – he was near the top last year in rushing, but I think Nick Chubb is going to lead the league in rushing. And and the reason I took this as a bold take was, you know, the report came out that, you know, expect potentially split carries between him and hunt. I don't doubt that. I, I think, I think it'll be more like a 60, 40 type thing, maybe even a 70, 30. I think hunt brings, other tools to the table that if he was a smart coach, in my opinion, you'd find a way to get both on the field at the same time. I can think back to the days when both Ernest Biner and Kevin Mack rushed for a thousand yards out of the same backfield under Marty Schottenheimer. Uh, I just think Nick Chubb is that talented in that system that they're going to run there with Kevin Stefanski. Uh, very similar to what Gary Kubiak's run with that zone zone blocking. I think Chubb is I, – I think you are going to see one of the most efficient rushing campaigns that we've seen from a back. That's my opinion. And so I have Nick Chubb leading the league in rushing yards. So, What's for example – sorry. sorry I'm just going to go into it real fast. For example, he was third last year – or no, no, sorry. Yep. Um, Wasn't he third? I thought he was third. I'm looking at it right now just to confirm. He – it looks like he was four, second last year right behind okay. Derrick Henry. Okay. Um, I am projecting Derrick Henry to be very similar for one more year. I don't know how long he can really keep up the – that type of workload because we don't see it last very long. However, with that Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott still – they're commanding their um, respected backfields. How do you feel about him not – I know you kind of talked about it, but him not being the number one. If um, Kareem Hunt takes away 500 yards from him, 
do you think you do you really think that the Browns are going to rush for between those two over two thousand yards? I do. You do. I wow. Do. Okay. I, I, you know, and things may change because they had a couple offensive linemen opt out. I just see them wanting. I look at what Kubiak has done with Madison and Cook, and I see how efficient Cook is. Okay. I think Chubb is a better, a more talented running back and a more durable running back. You know, Chubb's rookie year, I have no idea why Hugh Jackson didn't have him on the field more. (laughs) Chubb was doing amazing things with like three carries a game, four carries a game. I mean, the guy, you could almost play him in fantasy because you had a 50-50 shot, it seemed like, at 80 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he was just performing. And, you know, finally the GM there, Dorsey's forced Hugh's hand and traded away Hyde and kind of made it a thing. And Chubb, Chubb was on fire. And that offense was anemic. Think about this. That offense was anemic and they were behind in games and he was the number two rusher. I, I think there is more talent to Nick Chubb than if it wasn't for that injury. I think he goes in the first round. I think the Browns got a steal with him at the first part of the second round. I think he was that talented. I mean, he's had some some kind of fluker, fluky type injury things. But I just think that the plan of this offense is to be as efficient as what you saw with the Vikings. To be run heavy, two tight end sets, two running back sets, spread the defense out a little bit with the skilled position, positions at the receiver and running back spot. And I think it's completely plausible to have – Chubb at 1,300-plus yards, 1,400 yards, and Hunt to be at 800. Wow. Okay. I mean, I, I, if Hunt wasn't there, I would say we could be looking at one of the biggest rushing campaigns we've seen. That's, that's my opinion. Oh, on what I, think I, I was really, really hoping that Hunt was going to not get that tag. Go elsewhere. Go right. elsewhere. Right. I mean, for both reasons. But I want to see, see Chubb have, command the backfield to himself. I really want to see it. I know he can. Man, I, I really hope they uh, get rid of uh, Hunt next year. That would be something to see. So wh- how bold are you going here at running back, uh, Paul? All right, guys. So y'all ready? Yep. Austin Eckler. I think Austin Eckler will be the RB1 in fantasy in 2020. Last year, Without Eckler, or excuse me, without Gordon, he had two RB1 games. With Gordon, he had five RB1 games. Gordon is leaving behind 162 rushing attempts, 55 targets, and nine TDs. We saw what what Eckler was able to do last year with limited touches, not getting a lot of carries, uh, getting a lot of targets, of course. Uh, I think that given his skill set, man, maybe is it going to be Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert? I just have a feeling that we could see Eckler put up a thousand yard rushing season, thousand yard carry season, excuse me, thousand yard receiving yard season, and back to uh, double digit, double digit touchdowns as well. You know, maybe not have 90 receptions, but I could see him having a, a big year given the, uh, given the um, volume that he could possibly be getting now that Gordon has left down. Interesting. Now, I'm assuming this is PPR because obviously in a standard league or even a half point PPR, that might be a little different, right? Correct. 
I don't, you know, I don't have a lot of experience in 0.5 PPR. I need to change that. But typically I, I'm always thinking with a PPR dynasty mindset. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm the opposite. I play a lot of redraft with half point PPR. Kind of interesting. Yeah, I'd like so, to you know, uh, play a standard league. Sorry. That's no. no, you want to do a standard league? Is that what you said? Yeah, I want to play in a standard league just for fun and see how it works out. I got you. It's all about the yards. It's all about the yards. Yeah. So yards I know so, uh, I have a very bold take on my wide receivers take, but what about you, Paul? What do you think about your wide receivers? All right, my wide receiver, I have Mr. Stephon Diggs, the new Buffalo Bills wide receiver. I have, I have him finishing as a wide receiver one in 2020. Last year in 2019. So in other words, I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. In other words, as a, in other words, as a top 12 receiver then. Correct. Overall. Top 12 wide receiver in fantasy. Uh, last year, he was 29th in targets with 94, 25th in receptions with 63, but he finished 7th in receiving yards with 1,130. And then he was uh, he had six receiving TDs that was good for 23rd. However, he was fourth in plays that went for 20 or more yards. And last year we saw in 2019 that Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, and Kenny Galladay, they all had less than 120 targets and finished as the wide receiver one. We saw Amari Cooper again and Galladay again. They both had less receiving yards than Diggs. And then we saw Keenan Allen and DJ Moore. They had less receiving TDs than Diggs, and they both were wide receiver ones. And I just I don't see John Brown and Cole Beasley both again getting 100, 100 targets this year, especially after the acquisition of of Stephon Diggs. So I, I think Stephon Diggs will finish as a, a top twelve wide receiver in twenty twenty. Interesting. That is bold. I I I'm kind of out on Diggs all the way around personally. Man, I, I was sold a, I sold the uh, I traded him away on the rosters that I had him. I kind of wish I hadn't done that though because I'm starting to to uh, buy back in. I, I think that because Tom Brady left the AFC East, that the Bills made that trade in a, in an attempt to try to match what the what the Chiefs do on offense because you know. I, the Chiefs have that dominant defense. I think that was an attempt for them to try to keep up with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. Interesting. So, Nug, you said you were really bold. So how bold are you? Well, it's, uh, you know, this will be my last, uh, let's say, homer take as a uh, Rams fan. But I think Cooper Cup and Robert Woods will be in the top 15 in PPR points for wide receivers. Wow. And, yeah. And, you know, I, I can't say this is some original thought. I know they've uh, both been really good. Um, and we've seen a lot of people have um, top 15, top 20. But I will – so a shout out to, I was watching the fantasy footballers and one of, I can't remember which one it was because they all sound the same to me, but one <laughs> of the footballers said that they had both of them in the top 12. I think that's a little too bold for me, but with 600 pass attempts, Brandon Cook's gone. I, I, I see it plausible, man. I, maybe I'm just too much of a McVay believer because I've seen what he's done for the Rams and how he's turned around the whole franchise. Um, there is no one lead back in uh, the Rams backfield right now. So it's going to be spread out. They're going to be throwing a lot. I, I do project. I'm, 
I'm imagine they're going to throw for 600 plus pass attempts again. And with Cooks gone, I mean, that that leaves room for uh, Cups and Woods to take over that action and just dominate this year. So uh, I know that is a little bit of a bold take, probably my most bold of his take. What do you gentlemen think? I think that's bold as hell. I I I actually see, I think we're going to see more teams try to emulate what the 49ers have done. That's just my opinion. What do you mean by that? So, um, build it around a very efficient run game. Have your quarterback be efficient. You know, be – there's very few games you saw Jimmy G have to throw for 300 yards, but he did. He can. Everything ran through the running back scheme, and it and it keep the running backs healthy. It constantly bounced around who it was. And I look at the Rams' backfield – and to me, I think they've done exactly that. They've got really all sorts of different types of runners. I don't know if they're going to be able to invoke the same blocking scheme. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, they, I, I keep saying they're plug and play with their running backs. I just want a running back in those offenses. But I think they're going to be spreading around, and I just don't think you're going to see – I just I'm not sure they're they're going to I think they want to manage Jared Goff. I, Jared Goff has the prettiest deep ball of just about any quarterback I've seen, but he doesn't seem to be the most decisive, at least quickly. I mean the the whole thing about McVeigh having to call the audibles for him, you know, two years ago was kind of alarming almost. Um, you know, McVeigh's freed up his time as far as play calling some of the other things he, he's doing so that because he, he admitted he can't do everything that he was trying to do as far as manage the game and whatnot. I mean, hell they have a, they have a hired staff member that just keeps him off the field. Yeah. Did you know that? I love the guy that. just follows the guy just follows him around and pulls him back. I mean, it's hilarious. They, they have a, a guy hired for that. So I think you're going to see more. And I go back to the Patriots knows what the Patriots do. They also just kind of rotate running backs. I think that is just more the norm going forward. And I think teams want to find a way to be efficient on the ground. And if you manage your quarterback, you don't have to worry about turnovers. And, you know, if you ever look at the end of the year with turnover differential and teams that are winning, there's, there's a definite correlation there. So I'm just not convinced that we're going to see golf be the, the Matt Ryan, offense we're seeing out of Atlanta where they're throwing it all the time. I, I think we're going to see more like what you saw with McVay when he was with the Redskins. I mean, Kirk Cousins was never a guy that was throwing a whole ton of them. They didn't want him to. And I don't think they really want golf to. Well, that's just, that's just kind of how I see it. Since McVay came and started the Rams in 2017, let me read you the pass attempts for Jared Goff. 477, 561, 626. It is dramatically increased year over year um i don't think it's gonna increase i mean each year it's gone i mean from 2017 to 2018 it was 90 attempts um from 2018 to 2019 it was 60 attempts i just i think it's gonna stay right around that 600 number and him being a i mean 62 62.1 since 2017 is um, Jared Goff's lowest passing percentage. And if we do the math on that, 62% of 400 is 248 uh, completions. I mean, 
at his average of um, we even go his lowest last year was 20 2019 of 7.4%. That's still, I mean, I just, I'm all about um, volume, volume, volume in fantasy. And I just, I can see the volume being there. And I, maybe, like I said, maybe I trust McVay too much or I'm too much of a homer, but I can definitely see them being a two top 15 wide receivers. I can see that. And I'm with you on volume. I think my concern is, is I wonder if the volume is much closer to that 570 mark, 550 mm-hmm. mark. Okay. Um, because in my logic on that is there was a lot of games they didn't have Gurley last year that I think they threw more than what they really want to do. And that goes back to what I was saying about, you know, the running back they drafted, um, the running backs they have there. I mean, between Malcolm Brown, I think he has a role. I think Henderson has a role. I think Akers potentially could have the largest role of them all. But I think they want to find a way to keep him fresh. And I think if they prefer, I mean, you know, Goff was most, I don't know what his completion percentage was in 17, but at the end of the year in 17, you know, before it all came out about the audible thing and all that, he was, he was really good. I mean, I owned him and and he, he came through for me. He really did. But I wonder how much of that – that was awesome when we were counting on Gurley being Gurley, and the last year and a half, that was not the case. So that's where I'm coming from. I, I'm with you on volume, and, and you're right. Those numbers do match up that way. It'll be – look, these are supposed to be bold takes, guys. If we all agreed with them, they wouldn't be freaking bold. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. You, you know, let's, let's, let's keep that in mind. I'm just – you know, that's why we're debating and discussing some of it. And it's – and look, I'll be curious to kind of see it, watch, watch it happen. And I'm a big McVay fan too. And, you know, come week eight, if that's what we're seeing, Nug, I'll be texting you going, dude, you nailed it. You called this the whole time, you know? So my, uh, my bold take at wide receiver is Nikhil Harry will be the Patriots wide receiver one in both reality and fantasy. I, this was not my opinion until after they signed Cam. Cam is not the most accurate quarterback. The receivers that have had success with Cam are the bigger, longer receivers that can make catches and will make catches. I think that's what Harry is. I really do. Um, I feel like Edelman is just really going to get the short end of the stick here. You know, one of the reports I was reading about Brady is all the pay, all the Tampa Bay receivers are thoroughly amazed with how every ball from him is just on point where it's supposed to be when it's supposed to be there. Just a crazy, which. Does, I probably doesn't surprise any of us. That's why he's Tom Brady. You're not going to get that with Cam. And I also think that defense is going to take a major couple of steps back with all the people that opted out. So I see Nikhil Harry being the Patriots wide receiver one, and I think he is going to be a fairly – I don't want to – how do I say this? He's going to have a significant role for whoever's team he's on in fantasy, in my opinion. Man, that I, I don't know how I feel about that. I am a Nikhil Ferry ha- fan. Um, I loved him coming um, out of the draft last year. Watched his highlight at highlight tape from Arizona State often. But I just feel like people are just discounting Edelman too much, man. I he has been nothing but consistent, and I think that veteran veteran presence on a team that is going through a lot of changes. I mean. What was Tom Brady with Patriots for 18 years? 
Oh man, when did when did Bledsoe? Well, yeah, mean, something like that. When did Bledsoe get hurt? Okay, it's still it's been fifteen plus years for sure. I mean, that's a huge change for a franchise, and I think that that veteran, that consistent presence, is going to really just uh, pull out for Edelman. What do you think, Paul? Uh, you know, I, I like the call. I really do because I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on Nikhil Harry. Um, I like the points you made, though, Nugget. The veteran presence there, Julian Edelman being a uh, a college quarterback and just, you know, knowing where where he needs to be. And, you know, we've seen what he was able to do with Brady as a wide receiver. So we, we, we shouldn't discount Edelman. But uh, as far as just a bold call, I do like it. I've been trying to grab Nikhil Harry everywhere I can, especially in best ball leagues. But, you know, I, I think both of you guys brought up good points. I definitely like the bold call, Rich, and – Nugget, I like the uh, Edelman call as well because, like you said, I mean, people are uh, are sleeping on Edelman, not giving him the credit that he he's rightfully earned. Well, let's move on to the tight end spot. And I have been saying this pretty much all offseason, so I'm not going to backtrack it now. I do have concerns with some of the things that have happened with COVID and opt-outs and no offseason and all of that. But I, like I said, I said this early in the year, and I'm going to stick to it. I have Noah Font being a top five fantasy tight end this year. Oh, wow. Okay. And I can't wait to disgrace you on that one. I'm going to jump in front of Paul (laughs) on this one. And I have Hawkinson booting Noah Fant out of the top five. Um, we both know they were drafted very similar. I, I didn't want mean to cut you off, Rich, but you didn't. You when, didn't. When, and when and I saw not that, only they both did similar, didn't they come from the same college? They both yep. came from Iowa State, right? The Hawkeyes. Iowa. Iowa. Hawkeyes. Iowa. Iowa. Yep, the Hawkeyes. Yeah. Um, so, huh? So I just I that. That's way too impactive of a team, the Broncos, man. There's so much going on there. You have Melvin Gordon come in, who was replacing the 1,000-yard back. You have Cortland Sutton, who did well. And then you have this big, bad, hyped-up Judy. Um, I just – I don't know if there's – you're going to be able to feed fan. I just – not in a top-five fantasy tight end aspect where we know how many – targets a tight end needs to get to really be top five relevant. I just trust in Pat Shermer tight ends. I really do. See, you're, you're more big into the coaching and maybe, um, yep. you know, I'm going to say this without sounding like trying to sound like a young asshole, but having more experience than me. I, I mean that in the kindest of ways you've been doing this longer than me. And I know you have. So um, I don't follow the coaching as much. Um so I just here's my concern on Hawkinson. Hit me with it. There have been talented tight ends there with Stafford, and it's the same thing you see with Aaron Rodgers. In my opinion, tight ends is scheme and it's quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers likes him in the end zone, in the red zone. You'll see, you know, fairly a decent amount of touchdowns. He did go to uh, Jermichael Finley a few times, who could never catch the ball, <laughs> but Stafford. You know, I mean, Pettigrew held his own. Um, or was it Mercedes Lewis I'm thinking of? Maybe it was both of them. 
they've held their own and been solid, but they've never been high end. And, you know, Hawkinson last year, I actually thought we saw, granted, Hawkinson got hurt, but I thought we saw more upside with Font last year than we did Hawkinson. So I, I think it's a very interesting take and bold bold stance nugget. I'm curious to see it play out because they both did go to Iowa. Hawkinson outplayed Font for the starting role for the most part. But I do, and I do, I say this over and over again. I'm big into coaches. I'm big into schemes. In my opinion, it's way more predictive than or easier to predict than, than talent, when talent's going to pop and the analyzing the numbers. That's just, you know, I've been doing it for years that way, I guess. Um, you know, Jeff Manns is probably one of the only quote-unquote analysts that I hear really hit at home, and he'll tell you that he feels like it's still not talked about enough. But you're, you're right. That's, that is where that statement is coming from is that. And, and I understand Evan Ingram, you know, got a lot of his targets early on because of the injuries. But if you look like if you look what Ingram did with Shermer there, you know, they had OBJ when he was there, too. They had uh, Sterling Shepard and Ingram, even when both those guys was there, he was still getting not peppered with targets, but he was still getting his you know three to five catches a game. So we'll see I, that one. I think will be fun to that one. We almost feel like we should at least put some sort of bet on not necessarily out of the top five, but which one of those two tight ends finished ahead of the other. Assuming there's no injuries, I I'd be that down would with, be a fun bet. I would be down with that one for sure. We got to think of a fun bet that we could uh, involve right. on social media. Yep, I agree. So, Paul, what's your uh, tight end uh, bold take here? Tyler Higby finishes outside the top twenty in 2020. Uh, last year, weeks one through eleven, when Gerald Everett was healthy, Tyler Higby was the tight end 35. Weeks 12 through 16, without Gerald Everett, he was the tight end, too. However, when Gerald Everett was healthy, Tyler Higby averaged three targets, 2.3 receptions, 19.2 receiving yards, and had one TD and averaged 5.3 points per game. And again, he was the tight end 35. Um, And weeks 1 through 12, Gerald Everett was the tight end 12. So I'm just – I'm not saying – and I I know a lot of people are excited for Tyler Higby. I'm sorry to dog your boy, Nugget. I know you're – a Rams fan, you've had a couple of Rams takes tonight, but uh, I think Tyler Higby is really going to disappoint a lot of people this year. And I, well, since we got a Ram guy here, what is your opinion, Nugget, between Higby and Everett? Um, you know, as a Rams fan, I, you guys know we didn't use the tight ends very often until late last year. And if I'm going to be calling out insane – that Jared Goff is going to throw 600 uh, pass attempts and Woods and Cup are going to be top 15. There's no way the tight ends can be in that as a top 20 tight end. I mean, if we're really looking at it, unless the Rams, unless uh, freaking Goff just takes a major step forward in his top five. So I, I agree with him on that one. I just, I have more faith in those wide receivers. Um Cook, uh, not Cook, sorry, uh, Woods being that solid option and Cooper Cup just uh, doing his thing. So I, I I agree with Paul on this one. I'll take it, man. That's a, I'll take a small victory on this beautiful Wednesday, Nug. <laughs> there we go. I got to give you one. <laughs> yes, you all do. right. So we also did some bold team predictions. So lay it, us on, lay it on us, Nugget. What do you got? 
So my bold prediction is the Bucks win at least two playoff games behind Brady. Um, I just I'm a huge story guy. What's the storyline? I just can't see Brady going and leaving a dynasty unless he still got it. If he still got it and wants to show up people that he can do it without uh, Belichick, that's the only reason I really see him leaving, the only reason to leave. He wants to prove it to himself and prove it to other people. And the reports you're saying about how they're just amazed how, uh, how spot on his throws are. Again, they did have Jameis Winston, so they're probably going to be amazed no matter who they upgraded to. But with uh, those wide receivers, Gronk coming back, O.J. Howard playing a role, um, I know there's a little bit of a running back uh, situation going on there. I just, you know, and that amazing defensive line, I can really see the Bucks making the playoffs and uh, winning at least two games. Interesting. Yeah. I like that I, a I, lot. I wanted to say one game, I, but that was playing it safe, so I wanted to have that bold take. Well, Nugget, you'll be uh, interested to know when Mike and I, when we broke down the NFC South, I actually have – Brady and the Buccaneers winning that division going 12 and four. So mm-hmm. I hope you're right, man. I just, uh, it's, it's Brady, man. I, I think he's, if not the greatest of all time, top three without question. Um, give him Chris Godwin, who's going to be a monster in the slot and Mike Evans, who hasn't what been below a thousand uh, receiving yards. It's just, man, he's going to, I think Brady's going to have a great year, and that offense is going to be deadly. Rich, what's your bowl team call? I think the Cowboys are going to lead the league in offense. Um, you know, I don't disagree with the, the Zeke take earlier. I do disagree slightly with the Amari Cooper take. However, I that is more to do with the fact of – I. Man, I remember when McCarthy was there at the Packers, and sometimes it was, you know, the there was a couple of receivers there that would get it done from week to week. It wasn't always the same one. And I think you're going to see that this year. I think Gallup and Cooper are both very talented receivers, and I think that some teams have the cornerbacks to be able to shut down Cooper. And when they do, they won't be able to shut down Gallup. Um so I, I feel like it's going to be spread out a little bit more, and that's not even can take into consideration the natural talent they got with C.D. Lamb there. I think Dak is going to be all over the place between Dak and Zeke. I, I'm nervous for any defenses that have to face them. Mm-hmm. I just think they're going to be the number one offense this year by the end of the year. I am mad at it. Three Cowboys takes tonight. Man, what a, what a wonderful day. Cowboy fans are going to be loving life, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Paul, since uh, we talked up your Cowboys, what's uh, your bold take for the team? Well, I talked about it again. I'm not trying to uh, keep bringing it up, but Mike and I, we just recently broke down the NFC North two weeks ago, and I have the Chicago Bears winning the NFC North. Uh, last year they went 8-8. Eight and eight. However, they did lose six games by single digits, they had a top 10 defense in 2019, but a bottom five offense in 2019. I think Nick Foles comes in there, uh, puts them in a position, you know, finishes drives, helps the defense, helps the run game. 
He's able to throw to both sides of the field. Uh, you know, the Chicago Bears have a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive line coach. I think Nick Foles being the veteran presence that he has, having the success that he's had in the playoffs, I think he's going to be able to uh, to run that offense. And I, I think the Bears are going to to bounce back this year and uh, and win the NFC North. I, You know what, I like it. And one thing I do want to point out, either Nick Foles comes in or Trubisky gets better and beats him out. Exactly. I mean, no matter what, they're an improvement on their quarterback play from last year, and that's all that matters. Um, I would like to see Nick Foles come in because I think that would be great for Allen Robinson, who has had the shit end of the stick when it comes to quarterbacks. Um, right. Is there a receiver that is there a receiver out there that's played a, a better receiver out there that's played with shittier quarterbacks? DeAndre Hawkins before he got Watson, but I mean it's not irrelevant anymore. I just yeah. that's what I'm saying. He at least he at least got Watson right. Yeah. But I mean, uh-huh. what what's the best quarterback he's played with so far? Blake Bortles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That ain't. I, I'm I'm just saying. I mean, I when I think of Allen Robinson and and what he's had to deal with, it's like. Well, the best opportunity he had was with Blake Bortles. Yeah. And and he constantly gets forgot about and kind of just I don't want to say crapped on, but I I'm high on Allen Robinson this year, man, and I'm with you. Either I think Foles is an upgrade and and they look, you know, it's the same QB coach and I want to say offensive coordinator too that's worked with Foles. So and and if not then hey, Trubisky Man, they moved up to get your ass. So it's better better time to start putting up here, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm with you guys. In fact, that's I've drafted a couple leagues where I've got Foles and Trubisky because I don't know which one it's going to be. And if it's a super flex, which I think both are, I need to have a quarterback that plays each week. It's going to be one of the two, right? Yep. Exactly. I really – I feel like it's a win-win situation for the Bears because either, again, Nick Foles proves that he's the veteran presence, either helps Trubisky motivate him and helps him get better, or they just get a better quarterback. So I, I like I do like that move. And regardless, like you like you guys mentioned, I mean, I think it's going to help the Bears overall, regardless of who the quarterback is. Which I'll, I will say this: the reason I think this is bold, in my opinion, that's going to be one of the toughest divisions to win. I don't think you can sleep on the Vikings or the Packers. So if the Bears do pull this off, they've earned it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I feel like NFC it's a very West. mediocre division. NFC West is the toughest division out there. You guys think it's mediocre, huh? I don't think it's mediocre. I think the NFC uh, my, West is just a tougher. What are you saying, Paul? Uh, and I was just going to say, Mike and I, we thought that the NFC North is just – there's no team that's really head and shoulders above above the rest. It's it's mediocre and really anybody could could win it. It's kind of uh, has the uh, the NFC East vibes where you know last year both the Eagles and the Cowboys all the way up to Week 16 were were both not very good and they you know uh, Week 16 it was up for grabs. We just kind of think that that's what could happen in the NFC North. Well. The Vikings have gone to the playoffs the last two years, including two years ago they went to the NFC Championship, right? Uh-huh. It's a better team, in my opinion, than that team. They've upgraded. They've, they've upgraded the O-line. And they didn't have a um, single the, offensive lineman opt out due to COVID, which is important. Yeah, right? but look and, at all the and turnover on defense. they've made some improvements defense. on defense. Yeah, but a lot well, of turnover on defense, too. 
Yeah, but I think they made improvements. And let's not forget that the head coach there, that's his forte. Yeah. I mean, if you go back and look at every defense that's been there since Zimmer's been there, Paul, go uh-huh. show me a year that was really crappy or they were soft. You can't find one. He consistently gets that defense to perform. And I actually think they have more ta- – I totally agree there's turnover there, but I think they have more talent overall on that side of the ball now. Yeah, I mean, so, I was impressed that they, they did have 13 draft picks in this last draft class. You, you know, you, again, you don't typically like to see that much turnover. Uh, they did have a good draft. I can't really off the top of my head think of too many names. But, Nugget, I like the point you brought up, that offensive line, no opt-outs. And we saw what Dalvin Cook was able to do last year. I think that's important. Right. And in all fairness, I think the Packer defense also improved. Hist- historically speaking, Met- Mike Pettin needs three to four years to get the players he likes for his defense, and then they really come around. Mm-hmm. I mean, he got his he got a head coaching job because of what he does on defense. Well, dude, the now, Packers – I don't know if they – go ahead. No, I was, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say that Packers defense last year was nasty, dude. It was early in the year, and it got soft as the year went on. Yeah. But to start off the year, it was. Um, they had some injuries, but I expect that defense to be much improved. Uh, I could understand any concerns of offensive turmoil, but if we're going to go with the assumption, we think it's going to be a similar style offense to what we saw last year, minus Jamal Williams adding AJ Dillon. I still say that's an upgrade on offense. Mm-hmm. I totally would agree with anybody that says they need more help at the receiving core. I totally agree, but they needed more help last year. To me, that doesn't change anything. They just got better in the backfield. If you ask me. Well, so I think Lazard I, is going to really surprise a lot of people with a starting role this year. I don't year. disagree. I don't disagree. You know, Aaron Rodgers requested him. Uh-huh. You know, he was the one saying, get him on the field because he's where he's supposed to be. You know right. what I mean? So I don't, I don't think you're wrong. In fact, where he was going, I, I got a lot of him early this year. And lately I haven't been able to, I've gotten way too much Renfro and I would love to have more Lazard over Renfro type of thing. Uh-huh. So I'm going to have to work on that. But I, I guess overall what I'm saying is, is I, I think that division's a little tougher than people think because I agree the Bears. If anything, I think the Bears' defense has gotten a little more soft. Yeah, but I think their offense a, has gotten better. A defensive tackle that they ended up losing, and a uh, a defensive linebacker, Kyle Fuller. They also lost the linebacker, the guy backing up Danny Trevay. Mm-hmm. Oh, why can I not pronounce his name? I am so bad at this sometimes. <laughs> Trevathian. This is this is where Mike comes in handy for me, man. Trevathian. He gets hurt. He's he's a stud when he's out there, but he gets hurt. So they had Nick Kowalski, I believe is the last name, who went to the, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Mm, okay. Hold on. Uh, Nugget, what are your ex- expectations for the Rams this year? Oh. Honestly, man, I have I honestly have no idea. I do um, expect them to be down and throwing the ball a lot. Um, yeah, I just it's that division's tough, man. Um, you have the Seahawks, yeah. who are are always great, and they just got Jamal Adams, so that definitely doesn't help. We got to play them twice. You have the Niners, who just um, – we saw their defense last year and what they did to the Rams. And then you have mm-hmm. a Carolina team who came uh, – not Carolina, sorry. Um, 
Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals. That's what I was thinking. Arizona Cardinals team who just got a great wide receiver and they have a very high-flying offense. So they can definitely still one from the Rams. Um, I, I will stand by and say that's like that is the toughest division right now. Or the toughest uh, yeah. um, NFC West is the toughest. But I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think if we can get second place, we're in the playoffs. If we're second place in the division, we make it to the playoffs. That's that's what I'm saying. Um, especially with this new playoff yeah. format. But I also wouldn't be surprised if three teams from the NFC West made it to the playoffs. I would be. I was surprised. I, and I was impressed that, you know, early in the offseason, man, you guys had no draft picks over the salary cap. And McVay in the front office made a lot of moves. And you guys were able to to trade away some guys, relieve some salary cap, and also, you know, grab some good players in the draft. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really talk about uh, Van Jefferson much, but he'll have some type of role. I just uh, really excited Josh for that. Reynolds. Yep, really excited for that uh, Cam Akers pick, um, you know, if we can get that offensive line work uh, improved from last year, then we'll see if it was the player or the scheme that made Todd Gurley who he was. And you know what? Right. Cam Akers is used to having a shitty uh, offensive line, so that may help. He has some experience with that. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Cam Akers can do as well. Yeah, Rich, were you able to find out what that player's name is? Yep. Nick? Kawataski, K-W-I-A-T-K-O-S-K-I. Oh, okay. He he came in as a sub and was a monster. The only reason I know this is because of the IT the ID, IDP league that I'm doing right now in the drafts uh, and trying yeah. to find starting linebackers and reading up on them and DNs and all that sort of stuff. So, mm-hmm. anyway. IDP league, man, they're, they're kind of growing on me. I uh, I think that if people would be a little bit more accepting that they could kind of catch on, like super flex leagues have caught on the last couple of years. I agree. I agree. Once you kind of get into them, it they're what's the word I'm looking for? Almost overwhelming at first, intimidating, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah. yeah. And then as you get into it, it's less, less intimidating and more and more exciting because, you know, Mike made this comment the one day on air. Now you get to cheer for players on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. So there's right. times in games where you're like, yes, Zeke has got the ball. You're cheering for him. And so-and-so ends up getting a tackle after a 10-yard game. Well, man, you just picked up three points. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Or three and a half or whatever, depending on the scoring. You know, so right. uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I have a feeling I am going to find myself – looking probably dropping out of some of the dynasty leagues I picked up in and trying to find some more IDP leagues or, or adding more dynasty IDP leagues. I, I really have a feeling yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to um, start gravitating that way. Just a gut feeling. You should have joined our league. Well, you should have joined our league. There's dude, three uh, of them. You know, oh, what, man? But I'm I sure want, somebody might drop see, out, dude. See, I want, I want more like five, eight, ten. I want, um, I, I want almost an equal size defensive roster as you do offense. Hmm. After doing this yeah. one this way, I am really, really into that because, in all fairness, the one that Abe runs is very similar. To that it's it's about as many offensive and defensive players, and I really like that because 
when I've done it with just two or three, you know, you get one at each kind of spot, which in all fairness, Doug, with your league and as many teams that are in it, it's not quite as easy that way. But when you do say a 12 team league, it's only a total of 36 defensive players that are starting any given week. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got 12 defensive starters that can get point or 11 defensive starters that can get points on any given play on an NFL field. You know what I mean? And there's 32 teams. So I, I've definitely come around to full IDP is kind of the thing to do. And I am kind of a nerd and I've always loved defense. So that could be why, but I'm not opposed to, uh, to um, getting in that league. If, if someone leaves or anything like that. So, well, we're, we're doing all right on time here. I think guys, I think we've got time for at least a, a golden nugget today. So hey. <laughs> let's, uh, let, let's hear, let's hear Daniel's golden nugget for the evening. And then we'll, uh, we'll tie this down. All right. So I, my golden nugget is going to be no, we already did the bull takes, no venting, no nothing. It's going to be me just sharing my excitement with uh, everybody that's listening. I've been wanting to do a league like this for a while. It's as close as I could personally get to an NFL-style league. Um, there's 32 managers. There are three copies of each player. I'm all about making sure pe- every manager has plenty of assets on their team that they recognize and they know and that are common household names because I feel like that keeps turnover to a minimum and it's a lot more fun that way. That's just the way I am and I feel that way. So I created this team, it's uh, this league, it's 32 teams. The first thing you do is you pick your NFL team. So we go through a draft, we figure that all out, and then you get to pick which NFL team you want. So say, for example, the first, first team off the board was, of course, the Chiefs. Once you get the Chiefs, you also get to select any player from that team that is automatically added to your roster. So since it's Superflex, in this case, the Chiefs owner took Patrick Mahomes. However, what he had to take into consideration was that being the first team to – the first manager to select his NFL team, he was the last manager in the startup. So he was the first for the start for the, to pick the team. He picked the chiefs, but he's also the 32nd pick in the first round. So Paul is in the league. Paul has been running with me, helping me out. We've been doing, it's been a lot of fun, but Paul, just how crazy has this draft been this startup draft that we got going on right now? Man, it's been fun to watch, dude. You know, I've been trying to keep up with every pick, and it's it's been difficult. There's been some trades. And the three-player copy, like you mentioned, it really helps to keep people engaged, I feel, just because everybody can get that one rookie that they – that's being hyped uh, hyped up or that one uh, sophomore, just that one stud player that, you know, everybody has a chance to grab that guy or even grab their favorite player. So, you know, I like the point that she made. The three-player copy really helps. The draft has been crazy. I, I really liked the uh, startup drafts, just waiting to see what pe- what teams people were going to pick and what player they were going to pick. I, I think that's been my favorite part so far. Um, it almost led me to, uh, you know, I was, I was considering taking the Eagles as a franchise, and I'm embarrassed to admit that, but that's just the, uh, the fun that this league 
um, creates and it, it's been fun. I'm excited for the season and uh, I think it's going to be a, a league that everybody's going to have fun and be competitive and, you know, I'm excited for it. And um, I will say like one thing that I think is just crazy about the league is the difference you'll see with copies. Amari Cooper, for example, his first copy went at the 326. His second copy went at 520. And his third copy went at the 608. To me, that is just like this guy is somebody we're seeing going in second rounds of some best ball, third rounds of best ball uh, leagues. And he's so spread out in this uh, draft. We got yeah. going so different. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was why we were on air. I was cheating a little bit, but I came up on the clock and I got Zach Ertz at the 827, the 251st pick. I got Zach Ertz as my tight end. That was the first copy too, that, right? No, no, no. He, his first copy went 819. Then the second one went at 825. So I did have to trade up to the 827 to grab him for his final copy. But I mean... Man, somebody yeah. that truly has great potential to be a top five tight end going at in the end of the eighth round just shows you how crazy um, this draft has been. I, it's it's a blast. Well, man, just the the uh, the lineup format and everything, and the scoring format, just the way it's all set up. We've seen a lot of different strategies, and we were talking a little bit about it, you know, before the recording, but we are both surprised at the lack of QBs that were taken, we know, within the first seven or eight rounds. Yeah, I mean, we, like I said, we are on um, pick 829, and let's, let, let me pull up the QB list right here. There, I mean, I know that there's still a, a share or two of, Breeze, Ben Roethlisberger has all of his shares. Tannehill has all of his shares. Kirk Cousin has one share left. Derek Carr, three. Garoppolo, three. Minshew, three. Darnold, three. Or Donald, two. Um, Vince Magic, still three. I mean, there's the other guys, but there's still, I mean, a the QBs available, especially this late in a super flex league. Yeah. So that was... Uh, my uh, little golden nugget for the week. Um, it's more so along the lines of this league is fun, guys. Um, there are 32 different managers that are coming together to interact, fight, bullshit, talk, what, all that stuff, trade. I mean, we've done 53, 53 trades so far. Um, you're, I've seen... 32 different strategies. It's just so much fun to me. And I think I honestly would like to maybe even get, I know it's a lot of work and I don't really have time to do anything else right now. So hopefully my uh, real estate partner doesn't listen to this, but um, <laughs> hey, I'm doing, I'm in escrow right now and it's going well. So that's fine. But I've been really busy with this league. And I think that, you know, everybody should really consider a league like this because I mean, it's it's a blast. I'm having a great time. I appreciate you putting it together and inviting me, man. It's been fun for sure. Hey, I appreciate all the help you've done in making sure this uh, league happened and inviting as many plays you did. We wouldn't be here without you, Paul.
I was happy to do it, man. I was uh, I was surprised that you know a lot of people um, were the ones that responded. You know, that some of the people that actually responded. I mean, some bigger names in the fantasy industry at least were kind enough to respond. But that would have been pretty cool if like a Field Yates or a Matthew Barry or like a uh, a fantasy footballer would have joined the league, man. But you know, I'm glad that everybody was at least willing to to think about it and consider it. Yeah, um, I I think it's a I mean, I'm not trying to say I'm, I come up with some original idea, but this is an idea I've seen before, and maybe it's been done. So I think it, it, it is pretty complicated and not easy when we are first getting set up, but it's definitely worth it. Absolutely. And you know what? Next year, uh, Rich is going to be joining, and he's going to be in the league. Sounds good to me. Yeah, we're going to too. Sounds good to me. We good to call it a night, gentlemen? Anything else? Nope. I, th- I think we're good. I think we, we hit the time fairly decent. So let's, uh, let's wrap this up and uh, we'll tease it. That looks like we have a guest coming on in a couple of weeks. So we will keep everybody abreast of that. I'm looking forward to that. And, yes. Uh, I'm excited for that. It's going to be a great time. I think it should be very interesting. Yeah, for sure. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and I will do my best to get this up as quick as possible this time. I do got some stuff going on in the morning, but I will get after it. So, peace. We gone.